Well, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to the book of 2 Peter, if you would please. 2 Peter. And uh, I want to say this too before I preach. Thanks. I want to give a thank you to uh, Brother Buddy, Brother Eric, Brother Andy. They uh, got all of these stage lights replaced. You remember how we was having problems with them? And we had to turn them off because they had a mind of their own and they were blinking and they were flashing and they were just doing whatever, whenever. We had no control over it. So they got new lights and uh, got them all put up and installed and took them a couple of different weeks to do that. And they've worked so hard and put in a lot of time and uh, we thank them. Thank you guys so much. Give them a hand for getting that done. Amen. Makes things a lot better. We would come in here for prayer meeting, you know, or whenever, and all those lights be turned off, and there'd be one up here flashing, and you know, I'd be up here preaching, and all of a sudden wanted to start flashing. We had no control. I don't know. They must. We cast that demon out. We got them out of here. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Are you? Did I tell you where to go? Second Peter. Is that what I said? Second Peter chapter one. I'm going to read. Um, uh, several verses here this morning. I'm only going to try to cover the first four verses of this chapter today. But uh, please, uh, we'll 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 get we'll, the next next week. I don't know, maybe two, maybe three Sundays. However, the Lord leads. But uh, we're. Ta- I want to talk to you about some spiritual growth. I want to talk to you about uh, about knowing and growing about the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and how, that, how important that is to know the Lord and to know Him in a personal way and the spiritual growth that comes along with knowing the Lord. And I believe that every one of us who are saved today should have a desire in our hearts to grow closer to the Lord, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many could say amen to that? It's all about being saved and being born again, but after you're saved, there is a growing process that takes place in our life. No Body is born again or born into the kingdom of God as a full-grown Christian or a full-grown believer. There is a process of spiritual growth and sanctification that takes place for all of our life until that trumpet sounds and we go to heaven to be with the Lord. And I want to always grow, but I want this church and my desire for Abundant Life Family Church for every one of you as believers today is to, is to grow up in Jesus. Paul wrote to that church at Ephesus and he said that you be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning craftiness and the slight of men, but that you grow up in Him and become mature believers and a perfect man in Christ Jesus. So that's my desire. And so we're going to focus on that today. And man, I've got a lot to say. And uh, uh, I'm hoping to get through four verses this morning. But let's begin with verse 1 and read this passage today. Verse 1 of 2 Peter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle, or a bond servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us, notice this, exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, giving all diligence, that tells us this is very important, that we must give our all to this, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance or self-control, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness Brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, charity or love. Notice this verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall never, neither be barren or unfruitful. And here's this word again. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence. And there's that word again. Giving it your all. Giving it your everything. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. And notice this. For if, if, if always, always uh, implies that there's a condition here. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. That's how important this is. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore I will not, and I didn't give them this verse, but I'm going to read verse 12. Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them. And be established in the present truth. Thank you, Father, for your word today. Help us to minister to your saints today. And open our hearts to receive the seed of your word on good ground. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. In these verses here in Second Peter chapter 1, Peter's talking about... He's talking about authentic Christianity. Do you know there is an authentic Christianity? There is a counterfeit Christianity as well. But there is an authentic Christianity. And that is what Peter's referring to here in this chapter and in these verses. And he's letting us know. And I want to let you know today that you and I, we can be absolutely certain about our salvation. There's nothing that, that there, there, there's, there's no way that you as a born-again believer should ever be uncertain about the fact that you're saved. 
You can be a no-so Christian because the salvation that we receive from Jesus is a no-so salvation. It's so sad that there's many people that go through life uh, doing different religious calisthenics and going through different religious rituals that never really have the assurance or knowing that they're saved. They don't think that they'll know that they're saved till they die and then they'll find out. Well, no, that's not the way it works, ladies and gentlemen. We can know, and the Bible's very plain about that, that we can know that we are saved. You can be a shouting Christian and not a doubting Christian. Christian. Come on, somebody. And that's the way that it needs to be. And Peter said so here in verse number 10 that we can make and must make our calling and our election sure. He said that in verse number 10, to be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. And he said if you would do these things that he's listed here, that you would never fall. You would never stumble. You would never fall. So I believe that this passage here, which is one of my favorite passages of Scripture here in 2 Peter chapter 1, that this passage should be of immense interest to every believer, to every Christian, because this passage of Scripture tells us how we can keep from falling and how we can be assured of a glorious entrance into heaven, into the kingdom of God. And that should be the desire and the goal, I think, of every single one of us who are saved today to make sure that we stay in the faith, remain in the faith, and that we never do fall away from the Lord and that we make heaven our home. Now, this letter, of course, is is written by none other than the Apostle Peter, Simon Peter. And uh, if there was anybody in the early church that knew the importance of uh, being alert and and uh, being on guard, it was this uh, Apostle Simon Peter. Uh, in his early years, and we all know uh, the life and the story of Peter, but in his early years, Peter had a tendency to feel a little bit overconfident, didn't he? Peter had a tendency in his early years to overlook the warnings of the Lord, didn't he? Amen. You remember when Jesus uh, told all the disciples that they were all going to flee and they were all going to forsake him. Everybody, everyone of them was going to forsake him. And Peter got up and he said, Ha! Not me. I'm not doing it. Everybody else may fall away. Everybody else may backslide. Everybody else may run away. But not me. I'm strong. I'm, I'm strong. I'm going to make it. And, uh, you know, he had a little bit of overconfidence. How many know the Bible says that he that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall? So we can't get to that place of overconfidence as Peter was. But he uh, he was one that overlooked the warnings of the Lord. He was one of the uh, of, of Jesus' disciples that would rush ahead when he should have waited. He was one of the disciples that slept when he should have been praying. He was one that talked when he should have been listening. Come on, somebody. You know, Peter always opened his mouth just to exchange feet many times because he was always saying things that... Uh, that he really shouldn't say. But, you know, Peter the apostle, he was courageous at times, but yet he was careless at times. And I guess that's why uh, 
that Peter is one of my favorites in the Bible because um, I see sometimes some of the tendencies that Peter had in my own life and I'm sure that you and I, all of us here today can see some of those tendencies of Peter in our lives as well. But Peter was a man, even though he was an apostle of the Lord, a disciple of the Lord, he knew what it was to stumble and fail. We all know that sad story of Peter, how that he denied the Lord three times, even after he said that he never would do that. But there is an amazing truth here. There's an amazing truth when we look at the life of Peter, and that is that even with all of Peter's failures, even with his denials, even with his faltering, even with all of his setbacks, even with all of his blunders, even with all of his stumbles, even with all of his mistakes, Simon Peter made made it through. Praise God. He did not quit and he didn't give up. Even when he was down and out, he went out and repented, didn't he? When he found, when he realized what he had done, he repented and he made things right with God and he got back up and he didn't quit and God used Peter in a great way. As a matter of fact, he was the uh, preacher of Pentecost, the great preacher that preached the first message of that early church on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls were saved. God still used him. Amen? What a mighty apostle he turned out to be where his shadow would heal the sick, where he even raised the dead in that early church. He was the one that carried the gospel message, the first one that carried the gospel message to the Gentiles, to Cornelius' house. And if there's one thing that we can learn about Simon Peter, it's this, that our failures are never final and that if you won't quit and you won't give up if you keep on keeping on God won't give up on you but God will see you through come on amen praise God praise God and we were all, we're all, I think every one of us here in this service today are all people who want to do right if we're truly born again and truly saved. Every true believer, true Christian wants to do what is right. Can you say amen to that? But there are times, I think, that we would all acknowledge today that there are times when all of us mess up, when all of us uh, have our failures. We're all people, every one of us here today. I think what Jesus said to his disciples there in the Garden of Gethsemane fits all of us today. Our spirits are willing, but our flesh is unbelievably weak. Can I get an amen there? See, Jesus knows the temptations that we face. Jesus knows the fears that we're feeling, the trials that we're going through. He knows everything that we face. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 that there's no temptation that is taken you but such as is common to man and God is faithful that with every temptation that he will make a way of escape that you and I will be able to endure and to bear it come on amen I thank God for his faithfulness that he will carry us through to the victory in our lives but when Jesus first called Simon Peter he said to him 
in John 1.42, when Andrew, his brother, brought him to Jesus, Jesus said this to Peter. He said, you are Simon. That was his name. And, and I th- find it interesting to hear in this, in this first verse of 2 Peter how that he uses both his, his name before conversion and his name after conversion. He referred in 1 Peter just to himself as Peter, an apostle. But here in this, in later on in his life, here in this second epistle, he refers to himself and introduces himself as Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle. But he uses both names. And Jesus, when he had called Peter, he, he said to him, he said, You are Simon, but you shall be Cephas or Peter, which meant a rock. He was saying to, you know what Simon meant? Simon meant uh, unstable. Simon meant somebody that was, that was vacillating. It meant somebody that was on shifting sand or unstable. And so Jesus here is saying to Peter, to Simon, when he first meets him, you are Simon. You are unstable. But you're, I'm going to change your name because I'm going to change you to somebody that's unstable to somebody that is stable. He said, this is what I'm going to do with you, Simon. I know what will be accomplished in you. Jesus knew what Simon was capable of. And so he changes his name. He said, you're unstable. You're vacillating. You're on shifting sand. But Simon, I'm going to make you a rock. You're going to be something better. Do you know it's good to know that Jesus sees us and he knows what we're what what our potential is and he knows what we're capable of and that's why he'll never as long as you don't give up on him he will never give up on you he wants to make something special out of every single one of us here today amen i am not what i'm yet to be amen none of us are but thank god i'm not what i used to be because the lord has made changes in my life. So, you know, the story of how Simon's name was officially changed at Caesarea Philippi. When Jesus asked the disciples the question, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they begin to answer and they say, well, some say that you're Elijah and some say that you're Jeremiah and some say that you're one of the prophets. Some say you're John the Baptist. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, man, he made a lot of mistakes, said a lot of wrong things. But man, when he opened his mouth this time, when he opened his mouth at this question, he wasn't making any mistakes. He said, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And he said, Thou art Peter. That's when he changed him right there. And Peter, meaning rock, he said, You are Peter. And upon this rock, 
Petra will I build my church. He wasn't saying that he's going to build his church upon Peter, but he said, no, you're Peter, you're a rock, you're a stone, but upon the Petra, upon myself, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But Peter was changed that day from shifting sand to rock when he understood who Jesus was. I want you to get this. When he said, I know who you are. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. I know who you are. Right then and there, Jesus changed Simon to Peter, the rock. Hallelujah. The one that was unmovable. Can I get an amen? So he refers to himself here as Simon Peter, using both names, pointing to who he was and who he is now. He was shifty. He was unstable. But now he's solid and firm, and God has used him in a great way. He referred to himself as a bondservant of the Lord Jesus, a bondservant and an apostle. Do you know what a bondservant is? It means a bond slave, literally a bond slave, one that has given over their life completely to another and has given themselves to servitude of another. Amen. And so here is uh, here is Peter. Here is Peter that has said, I am a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He was saying that I have committed myself unto the Lord. He is my master. And I mean before he even uh, referred to himself as an apostle, he refers to himself as a bond slave of Jesus. Amen. He was saying to these people, I've been bought with the price of the precious blood of Jesus. I'm no longer my own, but I'm totally given over to him. What his will is now my will. I want to do his will. I'm not doing my own thing or going my own way. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you today that every one of us have been, if we're in Christ today, we have been bought with a price of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and we must surrender our entire lives and our wills to Him. Can I get an amen? Peter uses the word here. Now, I'm trying to get to what I want to say, but it's all good, so hang with me. Peter uses the word here, the word precious, in, in that first verse. He says, he says he's a bondservant and a, an, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he's writing to them, and he said, It's to them who have obtained a like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God, our Savior, in Jesus Christ. So he mentions here and uses the word precious. He said, we have all received like precious faith. The word precious, that word precious was a, was a uh, popular word with Peter because he used it many times. He wrote in the first epistle about the precious blood of Jesus. He talked about the trial of our faith being more precious than silver or gold. He talks about the precious promises which we'll see here in verse number 4. And in chapter 1 he also talked about Jesus the chief cornerstone as being, uh, being set aside 
and being precious. So he likes the word precious. And the word precious means beyond calculation. And so what he's saying here is that, and throughout these epistles of Peter, he says that the faith that you have, the blood of Jesus, the promises of Christ are of incalculable worth. They are precious. And he says to these believers, and I want to say it to y'all this morning, that you have, he said to them, you have a like precious faith with us. Do you know what that means? That our faith, if it's anchored in Christ, in the right object, is a precious faith. And he's saying here that we are all given the very same faith. How many of y'all know today that God does not have any favorites? Oh, there would be those today that would say, well, I've got some kind of special faith that you don't have. I'm somebody special. I'm a little more, uh, uh, you know, a little more up on the ladder in the things of God and in faith than what you are. But Peter's letting us know right here that God doesn't have any favorites. He's not saying here to this church or to these believers, you know, I'm flying first class because I'm a big shot apostle. But the rest of you are just flying in coach. No, he says, you have the same precious faith that I do. Do you know there's some preachers and ministers and quote apostles and quote prophets today that won't even come out and shake hands with people that don't want anybody around them or anybody touching them. They won't fly a commercial airline, amen, because they say they're surrounded by demons. Come on, somebody. I'm going to tell you what, the lowest, the lowest sinner on the totem pole that's accepted Jesus Christ has has got the very same faith as the highest preacher or apostle today. We're all saved by faith and it's faith in Jesus Christ and in his precious blood. Come on, amen? Hallelujah. Peter was saying to these believers, you've got the same faith that I've got. The same faith, ladies and gentlemen, that saved a dying thief on the cross is the same faith that saved this great apostle Peter and the same faith that saved Paul. And it's the same faith that brought you and I into the kingdom of God. We are all on equal footing at the cross of Calvary. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't matter how rich a person is. Doesn't matter how poor a person is. I mean, from the aristocrat to the alley cat. Amen? Doesn't matter where they are in society. Amen? Or on the social standing in life. Everybody has to come to Jesus through the same way. We are all saved the same way. By placing our faith in Jesus Christ and what He has done at the cross. We place our faith in the precious blood of Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, that is what makes faith. Faith precious is because of the object of that faith. It is placed in Jesus Christ and His finished work and what He did at Calvary. And that is what makes that faith precious faith. How many today can say, I'm glad I've got that precious faith and my faith is in Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Amen. That's the only faith, folks, that God will recognize. It's not faith in a certain denomination, right? Amen. Uh, that's going to be the very first thing that burns up when the rapture takes place is our denominational tags. It's not faith in the fact that I am a uh, Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or a Catholic or a Pentecostal or, or whatever that tag may be. It's not faith in some religious rituals that we may go through. It's not faith in being a member of a church. And I thank God for all of those who are members here at Abundant but it's not faith in membership or water baptism or confirmation but it has to be faith in Jesus Christ and faith in his finished work at the cross that is precious faith and everything ladies and gentlemen and you've heard me say it before but I must as Peter said to these believers I'm going to continue to bring it to your remembrance and remind you of it on a continual basis that everything without exception comes to us from God and through what Jesus has done at Calvary and that must be where our faith is anchored it's faith in him and Christ and Christ alone added to nothing else alone by his grace that has saved us that heals us that blesses us it all comes from him through precious faith in Christ and the finished work of Calvary amen so that's where the object of our faith must be, and that's where our faith must be anchored. And that's the faith, abundant life, that's going to get you and I from earth to heaven because it's precious, precious, precious faith. And that faith has been made available to every one of us. Amen. But notice in verse number 2. Notice in verse number 2. He said, grace... And peace be multiplied to you. And here's a key phrase. In the knowledge of God and of, of, of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace, not just be given to you or added to you, but grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And I want to call your attention to a very important word here. And that is the word knowledge. The word knowledge, and we know this is a key word because Peter uses this word knowledge nine times in this chapter. And I can't remember, I think it's 16 or 19 times in this epistle, he uses this word knowledge. And the word knowledge here is the Greek word epinosis. The word gnosis in the in the Greek is the word for just regular knowledge, but this is epinosis. It has the prefix epa on the front of it. Epa is the, 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 where we get our word epic. It's something that is great, something that is super, something that is, that is awesome. And it's, it, it, refers to a, it refers to definite information or to know something definitely or to know definitely about something. It's a special super knowledge. One commentator called it super knowledge. 
So it's not just ordinary knowledge, but the knowledge that he's referring to here, the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the knowledge that means a personal relationship with someone. It's to know them in a personal way. It's knowing something or knowing someone personally. I can know who a person is and have knowledge of an individual and still not know them personally. Isn't that right? I know who the president, I have the knowledge of who the president of the United States is. Amen. But I don't know him personally. I don't, I have gnosis about who he is, but I don't have epinosis because I have not met him or known him and have a, do not have a personal relationship with him. How many get to what I'm saying? <coughs> Excuse me. But <clears throat> so this is a special kind of knowledge that Peter's referring to here in this epistle. It's a a personal knowledge. It's not merely intellectual knowledge, but it's a personal acquaintance. It's just not knowing about Jesus. Come on, somebody now, stay with me. It's not, he's not talking about having a knowledge of who Jesus is or knowing who Jesus is, but it's a knowledge of personally being acquainted with Jesus and with God the Father. Some people have, you know, if they say, do you believe in Jesus? You can ask just about anybody, do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And people will say, yeah, I believe that. But they also believe George Washington was the first president, or they believe certain things. But they have an intellectual form of knowledge of who Jesus was, but they don't have an epignosis. They don't have a personal experience or relationship with Jesus. You can say all you want to, well, I'm going to heaven because I believe Jesus is the Son of God, but James said that the demons believe also and they tremble, they're not saved. It's more than just knowing about Jesus, but it's actually knowing Him personally. That is the knowledge that we have to have of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's as the Apostle Paul said, that I, in Philippians 3, said that I may know Him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. It's an epinosis. It's a personal knowledge and experience and relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is the most important thing today, to know him personally. Come on, somebody. Uh, Stay with me. Jesus said that that is what brings eternal life. How many here today have eternal life? Amen. Somebody would say, well... uh, we're going to have it when we get to heaven. No, 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 no. If you've made Christ your Lord and Savior, you have eternal life right this very moment. Amen. Everybody's going to live forever, whether they're saved or lost, just in a different place. But not everybody has eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ, the Zoe of God, the life of God, the nature of God living on the inside of you. Jesus said in John, 17 and 3 and this is life eternal that they may know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent do you see what eternal life is it's personally knowing Jesus Christ and through knowing him knowing personally God the Father 
the only true and living God. Somebody ought to say amen here today. And there are benefits that come through this knowledge of God and through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, through knowing Him. And I want you to ask yourself that question this morning. I want every one of us to ask ourselves, do I know Him? Do I really know Him? Do I really have epinosis of Jesus? Do I really sincerely know that I know that I know that I have eternal life today? Can't be a question mark there. Can't be a doubt there. Got to know it. Amen? Amen. And you can know it. But there's some things that this knowledge brings to us. And he says there that grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus. The things that knowledge brings, I'm going to touch on them here. i got a few minutes. Is pardon. This knowledge of knowing Jesus personally brings us pardon. It brings us peace. It brings us power. It brings us His promises. Hallelujah. Through knowing Jesus. And Peter, Peter outlines that and brings that out here. He says that grace and peace are multiplied to us through that knowledge. Grace is what? Salvation. We're saved how? Huh? Are you with me? We're saved by grace, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2 and 8. Thank God for the, the great hymn of the church. One of our all-time favorites, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. How I many is glad for His grace? Amen. Give Him praise for His grace. And so His grace, hallelujah, His grace. If it wasn't for the grace of God and the mercy of God, where would we be today? Mercy means that God does not give us what we deserve. He has mercy on us. Grace means that He then does give us what we do not deserve. Thank God for His grace. None of us deserve to go to heaven. None of us deserve to be saved. None of us deserve to be children of God. But when we placed our faith in Jesus, thank God, His grace was multiplied to us. Oh, hallelujah, that shouting ground today. Forgive me, I can't help but get just a little bit excited because there was nothing that I could do to inherit eternal life except call upon His mercy and His grace. And His grace is all sufficient today. Amen? But He said nowhere. See, He said that, that first grace then peace is multiplied to you and there's nowhere in the Bible that you'll find those two reversed there's nowhere in the Bible that you'll find uh, peace and grace anytime that it's mentioned in the Bible grace is first and then peace you know why? because you cannot know the peace of God until you've experienced the grace of God come on somebody I said you cannot know the peace of God until you've experienced the grace of God amen the Bible says that 
there is no peace to the wicked. But when your sins are pardoned and washed away and forgiven, thank God we have peace with God and the peace of God. I can lay my head down on my pillow. I couldn't used to do that at one time. But Brother Terry, I can lay down at night and I don't have to worry about if I'm going to wake up in the morning or not because I know one thing. I'll either wake up on Washington Street or I'll wake up in heaven. Come on, somebody ought to say amen. I've got the peace in my heart of knowing Jesus through His grace. But now notice this. Notice this. Knowledge brings pardon and knowledge brings peace, but knowledge brings power. And we're talking about knowing Jesus, knowing Him, that special knowledge of knowing Him personally. We have pardon through the knowledge of Jesus and peace through the knowledge of Jesus. But notice verse 3. Okay, I'm almost, I'm, I'm about to get there. I want to get through verse 3 and 4 this week. Notice verse 3. He says, as His divine power, notice that, has given to us all things. Everybody say, all things. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the what? Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partaker of what? The divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Man, there's a mouthful. My goodness, I don't see how some of these preachers can just do a little 15, 20-minute sermon on Sunday. There's too much here to unpack and to talk about that, is, that we need to hear. Amen. So Peter says, he's not telling us, he's not telling us that everything we have need of pertaining to life and godliness will be given us in a future time at some time. But if you look at those pa that passage and those scriptures, he says, according to... His, God's divine power, hath or has, not shall, but not, not in the future, but He has given to us, not some things, but He has given to us all things. Are you with me today? Help me preach. He's given to us all things that pertain to what? That pertain to life and godliness in Christ Jesus. And it's through the exceeding great and precious promises. It's through the knowledge of knowing this. Oh, hallelujah. What is he saying here, ladies and gentlemen? He is saying that everything that we need, every single thing that you need to live an abundant and a fulfilled and an overcoming life and everything that we need to live like Christ everything that we need to live in godliness and Christ likeness has already been given to us through Christ and what he did at Calvary everything you need today are you hearing me how many is listening everything you need today is in Christ you are completely complete in him everything is in Christ and Christ is in you I said Christ is in you I said he is in you and everything you need is in him 
That's the good news of the gospel. There's so many today that do not have this understanding that Jesus has already given it unto us, that it's in Him. But we have to know it. Come on. We have to have that epinosis. We have to know it. We must possess our possessions. We have to lay claim to it because His divine what? Power has provided it, provided it for us. See, the devil doesn't want you to learn about the victory that you have in Christ. Somebody might say, well, you talk a lot about that. Yeah, and I'm going to keep talking about it because we all need to be reminded of that. And Satan wants to blind us of the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. See, there's so many people today, and I think probably the majority of Christians today are still pursuing some key to unlock the secret of abundant life. And when we talk about abundant life, we're not talking about uh, the health and wealth gospel of the, of the, of the uh, um, Word of Faith crew. We're not talking about being made millionaires. That's not what he's talking about. Abundant life is having an overflow, living in that overflow, our cup running over with all of the blessings and the goodness of God and being able to walk through this life victorious over sin, over death, over hell. Come on, somebody. Over the works of the enemy being freed from the power of darkness that's abundant life and people are still looking for that key to unlock that secret of abundant life still looking for that certain combination on the padlock to find this key to godliness and holiness and living for the Lord Jesus Christ but God listen Peter says something wonderful here he lets us know that we don't have to start keep looking for that key or that secret he lets us know that God has already given us all things not most things not a bunch of things but all things that pertain to eternal life and pertain to godliness all things that will make a person overflow with the abundance of life God has given us already in Jesus Christ I I just feel like running amen got something a lot more Exciting here what I'm telling you than a Super Bowl next week. Come on, somebody. They're going all out for that. We need to go all out for what we have in Christ. Amen. All things that will make you overflow with life. I love our song, Living in the Overflow. He anoints our head with oil, our cup runs over. We're living in an overflow of abundant life. And how is that? Verse 3, that second phrase, that B clause in verse 3, it's through what? The knowledge of Him who called us. I'm getting ready to get, I'm getting ready to close. Is this my first, second, or third closing? I told you we was going to verse 4, and that's where we're heading. Because knowledge not only gives us pardon, peace, and power, But this knowledge that I'm talking to you about allows us to claim God's promises. The Bible is crammed full, chock full. Oh, come on, amen. It's crammed full of the promises of God. Amen. There's so many. And Peter calls them exceeding, great, and precious promises. That's what they are. 
But you know what? If you don't know those promises, they're not going to do you any good. You can't lay hold of them and appropriate them and them do you any good if you don't know them. Hosea said, my people, God said through Hosea, in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed. Why? Through a lack of knowledge. They don't know what is theirs. So if you don't lay hold of the promises, you're not going to have the victory that God desires you to have. So let's go to verse 4. Let's, let's wind this up. Let's hit this. Verse number 4. By which have been given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That through these, through these what? Through these exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped. That's powerful right there, ladies and gentlemen. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let me make a statement here that Peter made here. To all of you who are born-again believers today, you have a divine nature in you. Now I did not say, hold on, I did not say you are divine because you are not. I don't subscribe to the word of faith teaching that we're little gods, that everybody's a little god and everybody's deity. No, no, no. You are a human. Come on, amen. But you, when you are born again, when you come to Jesus Christ and you're born again, God places within your heart, my heart, His divine nature. And He makes you a new creation in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God, not the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's separate, a separate work of grace, but the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, comes into your life to abide and to dwell in you at the new birth. And that word partaker, which the Holy Spirit brings, that divine nature of God in you, His nature, His character, His righteousness, His holiness, is placed on the inside of you when you are born again. And the word partaker means that you have fellowship now with that divine nature. That when the divine nature comes into your life, it has an effect on your life. Come on, amen. That, that's why I maintain the fact that people that come forward to get saved and, and, and they, they pray a prayer or recite a prayer and they say that they're saved. But if they walk out of here and go right back into the mess that they were living, they ain't got that nature I'm talking about. They were not born again. There's a change that takes place. God's nature comes into you and you're not going to be perfect immediately but your desires change immediately. Amen? It's what happens when, 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 when a believer gets, when a sinner, a believing sinner accepts Christ. That's what happens. Amen? It has an effect upon your life and that divine nature. That divine nature supersedes, overpowers, comes to, uh, comes, to be, comes to be prominent in your life over the sin nature. 
And as a believer, as a Christian, you have now three natures. If you're born again, you have the human nature. You still have that. You have the, still have the sin nature that is there. It does not get eradicated at the new birth. But what you do have added when you get born again is the divine nature of God, the Spirit of God, Jesus Himself coming and living on the inside of you. And it's that nature now, that nature, that divine nature of God now that is to control and, and empower you to live a godly life. I hear people all the time say, well, I would get saved, but I know I can't live it. No, that's exactly right. You can't live it, not within yourself, but God doesn't expect you to live that way within yourself or by the power of your flesh. That's why he puts his spirit in you. That's why he puts his nature in you. So you yield to him, to the nature of God in you, and you live according to his divine nature. Come on. These exceeding great and precious promises that he's given us, that we need to claim them, that we are partakers of that divine nature. It has an effect on your life. And what happens when that divine nature has an effect on your life? It says that we escape, that the believer then escapes the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, church. Your nature will affect your conduct. Your nature determines your conduct. It's nature that shows you how to live. That nature in you. Your behavior is determined by your nature. And if you're controlled by the sinful nature, your behavior will be sinful. And you'll live in sin. And that's what the world's doing today. But when you get God's nature on the inside of you, you will escape the corruption that is in this world through the lust of the flesh and live a different life. Oh, praise God. It's the eagle's nature to fly. It's the turkey's nature to peck around in the barnyard. It's the fish's nature to swim. And it's the Christian's nature to live godly, righteously, and victoriously through Jesus Christ. Association is determined by your nature. Who you associate with, who you run with, your association. See, fish squid, swim in schools and birds in flocks. Birds of a feather. What's the, what's the, yeah, flock together. And Christians with a new nature will want to congregate with other Christians and be in church on Sunday. Come on, somebody. It's the nature. Joe, the bartender down at the tavern, doesn't have to call all of his, all of his uh, patrons on, on Saturday and say, hey, now y'all coming tonight, right? Y'all going to be sure you're going to be here at the tavern tonight. We're having a good band tonight. We're, we're going to have a big time. We want to make sure everybody's there. He don't have to call all them. They all show up. You know why they show up? It's their nature to be there. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're amening today. When you get a new nature, you'll want to be with God's people. You won't want to be down at the hootenanny and the shindig anymore. You'll be wanting to be in the house of the Lord and worshiping with God's people. Amen. There's new association. It's all made possible through the divine nature that is given to us and His exceeding great and precious promises. 
that make us partaker of the divine nature. So that's where we're at. Now next week we're going to go on with this. If you will feed, ladies and gentlemen, that new nature. Worship team, come on back please. If you will feed that new nature, the nourishment of the Word, the promises, and find out what you have in Christ, who you are in Christ, what He's given to you, what He does for you, and you find it out and you know through those and feed that new nature on the Word, then you're, listen, if you're feeding on this, you're going to have very little interest in what's going on in that garbage cesspool out there in the world. Amen? This is, this is bread from heaven. This is honey. This is sweet. This is life. Jesus said the words I speak to you are spirit and life. When you're feeding on this, you don't want none of that garbage and that mess out there. It'll change the music you listen to. It'll change the TV programs you watch. Oh, I'm, I'm getting old-fashioned now. Come on. It'll change the movies you go to. It'll change the places you hang out. Why? Because you've got a new nature on the inside of you. Through the knowledge of the Word of God and His exceeding great and precious promises today. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we thank You today for the precious promises of God. We thank You for the Word. Oh, that You have given us today. Oh, we praise You today.